You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Triple Content Creations and Podcast Jukebox present bonus content. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey there, welcome to Minnesota 27 of Disability After Dark. And if you're new here, Minnesota is a Minnesota is where you once a month send me in your stories about disability and I read them back to you and we shine a bright light on the things you write in about. So for this one, because it's our October Minnesota, I wanted to do something timely and because October is like scary Halloween time, I wanted to do something timely and I wanted to talk about disabled fears. So I asked on social media and in I think one of the fuller episodes I asked for you to write in about what being what about being disabled scares you? And what about being disabled makes you uneasy? And what about being disabled makes you fearful? And what are like let's talk about that because so much of disability discourse is not talking about how disability feels and I wanted to get into I wanted to really dig deep into what fear and disability feels like and that's kind of where the idea for this Minnesota came from and I put it out there and I got I got emails pretty much every other day a bunch of emails and I put a bunch of prompts out on my social media saying hey write in so I want to read back to you some of the emails that I got from listeners who wanted to tell me all about what scares them about being disabled. And so here they are. The first one is from Monica and she has written in before and she says Minnesota 27 fears. Hey Andrew, it's Monica. I saw your pics working out. Nice. Thanks Monica. I got I just got a Hoyer lift in my home that I use instead of using it for what it's supposed to be used for, I use it to pull my body up and do pull-ups every morning so I can stay fit because exercising and disability is hard, y'all, so I got a holy lift, so thanks, Monica, for noticing that. So, Monica says, I've been thinking about my deepest fears regarding disability, and all of them boil down to being infantilized and people assuming I can't speak or think for myself or that I'm not worthy of a fulfilling romantic relationship because they just see me as someone in need of help not someone with a very high sex drive and a desire for real partnership. A couple of things right off the bat. I really applaud you for saying you have a high sex drive because I do too. I feel you, Monica. I feel you right there. Um, And it's really sad that people continually infantilize us. And that can, when people infantilize us, it can really make us, can really make us second guess ourselves and really can be really angering because it makes us think do you really see me as a full human here or do you think that I'm do you really think that I'm that 
unable to manage my own life. When people infantilize us, that's how I feel anyway. Monica continues. As you know, I have CP. I found out earlier this year that I have a rare voice disorder called adductor spasmodic dysphonia. Essentially, I will often lose the ability to speak and need Botox injections in my vocal cords in order to speak. Whoa, I didn't know that was a real... I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that people could just randomly lose the ability to speak, and I'm so sorry that's happening to you. Um, And I can imagine that it's... I can imagine it's frustrating for you because you have to go and get Botox. I'm so curious about how how adductor adductor spasmodic dysphonia works. Is it? I know adductor is like a muscle thing. Is it? Is it to do with your vocal cord muscles? Is it to do with your spasms? I have so many questions about that. But I do apologize for you that it's happening to you, Monica. And I'm so sorry. And I can imagine being unable to speak makes people think that you are not competent and can't think for yourself too and I'm sure that that's extremely frustrating. Monica then says, I've been relying on my employer's long-term disability for the past year because my job as an insurance adjuster involved me talking a lot and since I've lost that ability, they told me I was unable to continue my work. Oh fuck, they fired you because you're disabled? Shit. Monica continues, I feel like just when I proved that I could, quote, overcome CP and become just a normal person with a good job, another disability I couldn't control came along and knocked me on my ass. I know how difficult that is, and I also know many listeners understand that when different parts of our disabilities come into play or our disabilities start to morph into into a different manifestation than what we're used to, that can be really scary too. And that's happened to me a number of times and continues to happen to me with my disability, so I fully understand. I'm just afraid that that all I'll ever be seen as is just a list of disabilities instead of an awesome burner who just so happens to be disabled. As you know all too well, my disabilities make it incredibly difficult to do things most people take for granted like driving, and when people hear I'm on disability and I can't drive, they ghost me before the first date even happens. Ugh, that sucks, Monica. People are, people suck, and I am so sorry that all of these things, and it it can feel overwhelming when all these things play in tandem with each other, and you don't get a breather to just take a break and deal with one thing at a time, and it sounds like that's what you're dealing with. Monica ends, anyway, sorry that was so long, much like the chick in the Mean Girls who didn't go there, I just have a lot of feelings. Let me know if you'd like anything else, Monica. Thank you so much for sharing your fears, Monica, and I I do hope that things even out for you, and I want to hear more about adductor spasmodic dysphonia, so I will be emailing you to ask you about it, because I'm curious how it works, and I'm curious um, how that part of your disability, if there's anything that you can do to, or can be done to make it less, so that you don't have to have Botox injected into your vocal cords. That sounds kind of scary and painful, um, but thank you for sharing that, Monica. 
This next one comes from Nicole, who writes in, and the title, the subject line is Disability Fears. And she says, hey there, love the idea for this Minnesota. Thanks, Nicole. She says, I think my biggest fear is financial insecurity. I lived below the poverty line for a long, long time before I got my current job. I love my work, but it's very hard on my body. I won't be able to do it forever, and I'm lucky I can do it now. They treat me well, and while they may not exactly understand my disability, they do at least accommodate for it most of the time. If I can't do it anymore, I'll lose my health insurance. I won't be able to live with an amputee without health insurance. But I don't know how I'd afford it either. It's definitely the thing that keeps me up at nights. Thank you for doing this important work. Seriously, it means a lot to me to know that someone out there cares about this. Nicole, I fully understand your fears about financial insecurity. That's constant fear of mine. And it's a f I am always worried about... Can I make enough money? And if I make too much money, will my disability benefits be taken away? And if I make not enough money this month, will I be okay? And can I, can I live comfortably? Can I do more than just survive? Can I thrive? And I feel like a lot of the time with disability benefits, they don't give us enough to live. And I, I fully understand living below the poverty line. And many, many of us with disabilities know what that's like. And we constantly are scrounging around for money and scrounging around just to just to make ends meet and we don't often have the time for to look at money as anything other than a survival mechanism and it wouldn't it be nice to have money for us to just have and I really think universal basic income for people on for people who are disabled or chronically ill or homeless or marginalized is really important and I'm I'm a big advocate for that but it's totally something that keeps me up at night too um, I live in Canada so I can't imagine losing my health insurance and losing my um, safety net that way either but I totally empathize with you and thank you for sharing that viewpoint money for a lot of disabled people is a constant worry because we never get enough of it and we in order to be disabled it means you must be in poverty or below the poverty line or in dire straits you can't have money just because and I think we need to change that viewpoint thanks Nicole also just briefly before we move on to the next one somebody tweeted at me the other day or, or Facebook messaged me or something that I get free money as a disabled person and it angered me so much because I was like, fuck you, that is not free money. That money I have had to basically give my blood, sweat, and tears to get that money. And I had to prove that I was less than just to get that money. And it isn't free money, and how dare you? So anybody who thinks that disability benefits are free money, go fuck yourself. And and you can, you can seriously, go fuck yourself and do some research on what... Disability, disability benefits actually are and how restrictive they actually are before you go spouting your mouth off and saying it's free money. Go fuck yourself. Truly. Not you, Nicole. You're amazing. But anyone else who thinks that, go fuck yourself. Sorry about that. I just got a little bit heated because I get the question of free money and disability all the time and I just wanted, I just felt... I felt compelled to share that it is not free money and it really pisses me off sometimes, but 
let's get on to the next minisode. So my friend Jennifer wrote in and she wrote the subject line, Minnesota about anxiety. And she says, Hi, Andrew. I don't know if you're still looking for people to share anxiety stories on your upcoming Minnesota, but the topic of anxiety really resonated with me. In my experience, it's so hard to explain my anxiety to others, especially in the context of a disability like CP. I know that I have a higher than, quote, normal baseline of anxiety on my best day, which impacts my specificity. Shocker, right? I know, when we get nervous or angry or have any emotion, our spasms and our spasticity as CP-having people gets really intense. And it can be super hard to be to be relaxed and, and like not have spasms when you have anxiety or stress or any kind of emotion with CP. Jennifer continues, a huge trigger for, for my anxiety, both mentally and emotionally, as well as the miserable physical manifestations, is the medical environment. Procedures, especially, regardless of the part of the body being examined, cause my body to turn into an anxiety-ridden pretzel. Oh no! What do you mean, like, you go spastic and your body, you get all, like, twisty with your hands and stuff? How, how does that manifest for you? What does being a pretzel mean for you? I'm curious. Jennifer continues, it doesn't help that medical providers tell their patients to, quote, relax over and over. I'm like, if I could relax, physically or mentally, we would both be having a very different experience with this procedure. This is true. I find like when I have to have needles done and I have to have um, big procedures done where my body's going to react and the the person doing the intake or the care is like, just relax, calm down. I'm like, fuck you. Stop telling me to relax. There's no way my body can relax. Don't tell me this. I can't relax. Jennifer says, as many times as I tried to explain the spasticity, anxiety, anxiety, spasticity connection to others, even those who work in healthcare, it doesn't seem to have a lasting impact. Therefore, I get angry and anxious because I don't quite get why this is so hard to comprehend hard for able-bodied people to comprehend. Fortunately, I have a primary care nurse practitioner who understands me so well that she just accepts and works with my wild anxiety and she knows it's a part of me. That's great. It's so hard to find healthcare professionals that, that understand or are willing to try to understand to work with you. So I'm glad you could find somebody who's willing to work through things with you. Jennifer says, I also respond well to distraction, especially irreverent humor. If I have a family member, friend, PCA, who is willing to help me mentally prepare for medical procedures and keep my brain occupied throughout, my anxiety becomes more manageable. It never really goes away, but distraction and humor help me deal with the discomfort of anxiety. I have a story about that. I was getting STD tested by my GP a few months ago, and we were doing the the oral swab of my throat for, you know, gonorrhea and all those things. And I was getting tested, and I told her I'm going to barf on you because I have spastic gag reflex. So if you put the tongue depressor down my, my throat, I'm going to... Even saying it right now makes me feel all weird. But uh, if you put a tongue depressor down my throat, I will probably vomit all over you. So I told her this. And so I started, like, dry heaving and retching a little bit. And she goes, oh, when you uh, sucked his dick, did you, were you making that face? 
And I just started, I broke out laughing, and it made me laugh and open my mouth wide enough that she could do the swab. It was just really funny, but it made me, it just made me, it was probably really not appropriate, but it was really funny, and it made me calm down. So I get it. I think humor and, and distraction and both those things together can really help spastic anxiety for sure. Jennifer says, for me, anxiety is one of those struggles that can be really hard to capture in words because it is a sensory experience, so I really appreciate the opportunity to share this short story and maybe learn from you or your friends about ways to cope with anxiety and the disabled body. Andrew, thanks again for sharing your experiences via Disability After Dark and doing so in such a humorous, blunt, and real-world way. Best, Jen. Thanks, Jen. I love that you sent in a story, and I... I my my advice for anxiety is to just start talking about disability and anxiety more and share that and share how anxiety affects the disabled body and that's one of the ways the best ways we can cope with it is to just talk about it more um, because because of our disabled bodies especially with CP I don't think it can go away because it's embedded kind of in our in our muscle tissues with CP I think the anxiety and the fear and the stress so I think we just have to talk about it more and how how it affects the disabled body. That's what I think. But thank you so much for sharing and listening. And I, I, I loved your story. Thanks, Jen. This next one comes from an anonymous listener who just wrote in and said fears. And they said, I thought I might die right before my C-section. There was no reason to really worry. But right before I was put to sleep, I was quite overwhelmed and scared. I also worry about wheeling right off cliffs. Wow. I never wheel near them, but I have these jolts of fear thinking about it. I don't know where it comes from. I choose not to think too much about my life expectancy intentionally. The odds aren't in my favor. I often think making plans, assuming I'll live till 90. The truth is too scary and sad. Will these be anonymous? Thank you for your work. Okay, first, I'm a male penis having person who will never probably have a c-section but there are moments in the medical community where i have had fears i i had c diff two years ago and i thought i was gonna die then so i i, I know what that fear feels like you're just scared and you're kind of in this weird haze where you're like something's happening to me and i don't know how to feel about that so that's scary and then i well i had gallbladder disease about eight years ago and they were going to do a surgery on me where they were going to take my gallbladder out, but I was so sick that I was going to go septic and die. And if the doctor hadn't stopped me, hadn't stopped them from bringing me down, I probably would not be alive. So I understand that fear for sure. Um, I understand the fear of before going to sleep, something could happen to you. I definitely understand that fear. And that's been a very real fear for me within the medical community and my experiences of doctors and hospitals and, and procedures. So while it's not a C-section anonymous, I understand that fear quite well. And I'm sure other people with disabilities understand that fear quite well also. You're worried about wheeling off of cliffs. I worry about falling downstairs in my wheelchair all the time. I worry about um, being too close to stairs and, and just falling. It's a constant fear of mine. And so I get that. And it totally plays into disability. And if I lose, if I go spastic and get scared, 
what if I fall off? I, I've even been scared of falling off curbs because what if I go spastic and I fall off a curb? So, so and I then I go into traffic and I get hit by a car. That's a definite fear I've had. So I understand those weird irrational fears connected to falling in your wheelchair with disability. I don't really think about my life expectancy either because I don't know what it's going to be. And with disability and the way our disabilities change, I don't want to think about it. Um, but I do struggle with the idea that I'll live to be an old man. I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that I'll probably die around 50 or 60. And I guess I'm going to be okay with that. But it is something that is kind of scary and sad to think about. I agree with you. Uh, thanks so much for sharing, Anonymous. Also, you can write in and be anonymous if you want to write in a Minnesota not say who you are and you feel comfortable being anonymous. Just tell me to make it anonymous and I will. And, um, yeah. This next one is an email from someone named Tuesday and they write in and they say, Hello, I'm emailing to contribute to your episode about big fears I have as a disabled person. My deepest fear is relatively specific. I'm terrified of losing access to my narcolepsy medication permanently. I desperately need it in order to do anything, not even just have a good quality of life. I need it to stay awake more than a handful of hours a day. I don't feel safe going out in the... I don't feel safe going out in the world by myself if I don't have it. I have trouble walking without it because it offsets my cataplexy, a disorder related to narcolepsy that affects muscle strength and movement during feelings of strong emotion. I just don't feel like myself or that I can live my life. I feel unsafe. I'm thankful that I'm a painter and a sex worker, which means I work from home, so in the short bouts that I'm without it because of an insurance mix-up or something, I don't get fired like I have, like I almost have in the past. But those few days, or sometimes weeks, that I've had to make do without it are like a living nightmare. Thanks for reading. This is important stuff. I'm not on a lot of meds because a lot of meds cause issues with my IBS, so I'm not on a lot of prescribed stuff, but I can only imagine how scary it is to not be able to get the things you need. And I am so sorry that we live in a world where these things are just not prescribed or given to us because they're, when they're needed so we can have full lives and feel safe. And it's important that we talk about how medications that we need to feel okay make us feel safe. And thank you for bringing that to the forefront. Um, thank you for sharing how important it is to have access to medication and why it's important for you as, as somebody with living with narcolepsy. Thank you for also sharing that you're a sex worker and a painter. I think those are amazing things that you're doing and I'm also glad you can work from home and you have things in place where when things fuck up you feel safe. I'm sorry that you have almost been fired in the past when your meds weren't available and I wish we could explain to employers as disabled people and chronically ill people what it means when we don't have our meds or what it means how it affects our productivity when we don't have our things with us and thank you for sharing that. That's a really real fear that non-disabled people probably don't consider. And thank you for making that very real for us and the listeners today. 
Okay, so that's the Minnesota, and that's basically what it is, is I read your stories and your letters and your ideas and all those things, and then you get to listen to me read them back to you, and you send them in to me, and that's what we do. So thank you for that. On, on, this, on this episode, we had a lot of medical-related stuff. So for Minnesota 28, I want to hear your experiences in the medical system, what it means to be a patient with disabilities. I want to hear some of the medical ableism you've had to experience. I want to hear times that doctors were dickheads to you and didn't treat you right as disabled people because it happened so much and we don't hear enough about it. So I want to hear from you your experiences in the hospital. I also want to hear from you good experiences you've had in the healthcare system as a disabled person. I want to hear your experiences if you are a disabled medical care provider. What is that like? Tell me those things. Um, Tell me the time you hit on a sexy EMT person as a disabled person. Tell me the time that you, you know, tell me the time that a doctor didn't listen to you. Tell me the time that a nurse was rude to you because of disability. Tell me the time that if you didn't get care at the hospital, you something bad would happen. Tell me those stories and tell me, talk about how the medical system has treated you, whether it's good or bad, as a disabled person. That's what I want for Minnesota 28. So send in your letters and stories to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and the next Minnesota will come out on November 6th. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota. I'm your host, Andrew Gerza. Your disabled Dick Smith, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks. Bye. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019.